0: John chapter 4, verses 43 through 54 this morning. I'm going to read those verses for you now. It says, After two days he departed for Galilee, for Jesus himself had testified that a prophet has no honor in his hometown. And so when he came to Galilee, the Galileans welcomed him, having seen all that he had done in Jerusalem at the feast, for they too had gone to the feast. And so he came again to Cana in Galilee, where he had made water into wine. And at Capernaum, there was an official whose son was ill. And when this man heard that Jesus had come to Judea in Galilee, from Judea to Galilee, he went to him and asked him to come down to heal his son, for he was at the point of death. And so Jesus said to him, unless you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. The official said to him, "'Sir, come down before my child dies.' And Jesus said to him, "'Go, your son will live.' A man believed the words that Jesus had spoken to him and went on his way. And as he was going, his servant met him and told him that his son was recovering. And so he asked them the hour when he began to get better. And they said to him, "'Yesterday at the seventh hour the fever left him.' And the father knew that was the hour when Jesus had said to him, "'Your son will live.' And he himself believed in all his household. And this was now the second sign that Jesus did when he had come to Judea, Judea to Galilee. Verses uh, 43 and through 44 say, After two days he departed for Galilee, for Jesus himself had testified that a prophet was not welcome in his was not honored in his own hometown. Jesus spent about eighteen months of his of his three-year ministry in the region of Galilee in the north. And Jesus had come, just come from the southern region, went through Samaria, and was headed towards Galilee. And, and it says what happened in verse, in verse 40 of chapter 4, that uh, many Samaritans believed and knew that Jesus was indeed the Savior of the world. And having stayed with them two days... In verse 44, that Jesus himself had testified that a prophet has no honor in his hometown. And so, and although verse 45, it says, so that when he came to Galilee, the Galileans welcomed him. They welcomed him because of the signs they had saw him do during the feasts. I mean, wouldn't you? You saw all the things he's doing. He comes to your town. You're like, yay, Jesus. Like, I've got issues. I need help. And that was what John was pointing out by mentioning a prophet has no honor in his hometown, that they were mainly interested in signs, which is the downside of this. But when it came to the message that Jesus brought, the message of the kingdom, message of repentance and faith, they flat out rejected their Messiah. How many of you uh, desire to be healed, desire to be fixed, desire to no longer suffer, and all those types of things? Anyone else have things that are bugging you in your life. And if a miracle worker walked through, you would go to him and say, hey, you know, how about that? Anyone else? In John 1, 1, I'm sorry, in John 1.11, John already prefaces this whole thing when John describes how Jesus was received by his own people. In John 1, 11, it says he came to his own and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God, who were born again. So the irony is that the very people that Jesus came out of, the very people that Jesus was raised up in their town, and they knew him, so to speak, uh, the Jews, and even in Nazareth, there, those very people are supposed to be the people who you would figure would know his character, how holy he was, growing up, all those types of things. would would bring him honor, wouldn't you figure? I know it's hard for you to know that because, like, we all we all get in trouble when we're younger. But Jesus wasn't like that. But Jesus was. It should have been his own people that would have recognized who he was, but they didn't. Luke's gospel tells us in chapter four that when Jesus came to Nazareth, his hometown in Galilee, and read from the scroll of Isaiah in his home church, he, he, he sits down, he reads the Isaiah, he reads the scroll, he gives it back, he says, "Hey, today this has been fulfilled in your hearing." I mean, that would be as if I opened up the Bible and said, "Hey, I read a passage of scripture," said, "Yeah, I just fulfilled that." You guys would go, "What in the world's going on?" But Jesus did that, and uh, Luke's gospel, let me just read Isaiah, Isaiah 61, basically says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. This is what he read. Because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor, he has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind and to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. That's what he read. And when he got done reading that, he said, This has been fulfilled in your hearing. That's amazing. A prophecy a thousand years earlier, Jesus just opens up and says, this is when it is accomplished. Right now, I'm doing it. And when Jesus said that, the scripture was fulfilled. Um, let me just read you the account, verse, uh, Luke chapter 4, 22 through 30. It says, and all spoke well of him. And they marveled at the gracious words that were coming from his mouth. Jesus in his hometown, his home people. He says these things, and they marveled. And they just were taken back. And they said, is this not Joseph's son? They kind of knew him, right? And he said to them, doubtless, you will quote to me this proverb, physician, heal yourself. Because he's going around healing everybody, and he will be on the cross, and that's exactly what happened is that, hey, heal yourself. And it goes on. It says, What we have heard you did in Capernaum, do here in your hometown as well. Jesus is saying, you're going to tell me to do that. And he said, truly I say to you, no prophet is acceptable in his hometown. But in truth I tell you, there were many widows in Israel in the days of Elijah when the heavens were shut up for three years and six months and a great famine came over the land. And Elijah was sent to none of them but only to Zarephath. In the land of Sidon to a woman who was a widow, that is a Gentile. And verse twenty seven, then there were many lepers in Israel in the time of the prophet Elijah, and none of them was cleansed, but only Naaman the Syrian, a Gentile. And when they had these when they heard these things, all in the synagogue were filled with what? Wrath. First they marvelled at the gracious words coming out of his mouth, and then he spoke the truth to them, and what happened? They were filled with what? Wrath. And they rose up and drove him out of the town and brought him to the brow of a hill on which their town was built so that they could throw him down off the cliff. Verse 30. But passing through their midst, he went away. Jesus was, was not impressed with their accolades. Jesus was not impressed with their superficial faith. Their superficial trust that they were giving him and because they wanted to see signs and wonders. Their interest as a whole was not about the message of the kingdom. It was about miracles. It was about signs. And I'm speaking in broad generalities here. You have to know there were Jews that were saved. They did accept and all those things. But this is the general flow of things. And Jesus said to them, listen, the people who should get it don't get it. And the people who are furthest out, they actually get it. The Jews should have got it. They didn't. And the people who shouldn't have got it, they did. The Gentiles. And that's just what we just read about with the Samaritans. In John 4.41, Jesus had to leave the region of Jerusalem because the Pharisees were starting to... There was attention starting to be grabbed and... Well... John 4.41 tells us that the Samaritans believed him because of what? Because of his word that he spoke to them. Because of his word. Totally different than what was happening in the other regions. The Gentiles were believing him because of what he spoke, not all the signs and wonders that he did. And that is what the Lord is desiring of his people, that he's calling to him. That there would be faith in who he was. That he was the Christ, that he was the savior of the world, as promised through the prophets. The signs that he performed, church, didn't lead the masses to believe. We have to know that. They crucified him. After all he did, the crowds in Jerusalem that saw all those things happened, they cried out with everybody, crucify him. He would not be there. King, He would not overthrow the Roman government. He would not do what they wanted to have happen. That was not why he came. And the signs he performed didn't lead the masses to believe, but they revealed the, people, how, the people's hearts, who they truly were. Galilee, as with all of Israel, they longed for signs. They longed for the healings. They longed for the miracles. They longed for the military leader to lead them out of their physical woes. But they would not believe his words concerning the kingdom of God. That you must be born again. That you need living water. That we are in darkness and he is light. That we are spiritually dead and he gives eternal spiritual life. And so make no mistake, they received him with joy. When he came to town. Isn't that awesome? They received him to joy. Yeah, it seems, but verse 45 says it was because they saw what he did in Jerusalem. That's what's really going on here. That's what John is driving at. The Samaritans believed in contrast to the Jews. And that's the pattern. That's the pattern of Scripture. That the Jews, the nation of Israel, they longed for signs but rejected their Messiah who performed them. But the Gentiles, they were open and many received the kingdom. That is why we're standing here. It's because the Jews rejected their Messiah. Read Romans uh, 10 and 11, and it talks about that. The reason why we have received Christ is because the Jews had rejected him, but there is a salvation yet for Israel. But the miracles had a purpose, and the purposes weren't all bad. But the healings and the authority over evil spirits and raising the dead were not the end. That wasn't the end, that wasn't the purpose, just to heal people, just to cast out demons, just to do all those spiritual things in, in an amazing way. That wasn't the purpose. The purpose of those signs was to validate who Jesus was, because the prophet said he would do those things. That's why he read Isaiah on that day. He said, listen, I'm doing all these things, the prophet Isaiah would said we would do those things. I'm him. But the Jews were hardened. Later in John 10, Jesus speaks of the purpose of all the miracles. There's an argument about, well, there's just a lot of arguments going on there in John 10. But basically he says, if, I, if I'm not doing the works of my father, then do not believe me. But if I do them... Even though you do not believe me, believe the works that you may know and understand that the Father is in me and I am in the Father. The purpose of the works is that you would know the Father. The purpose of the miracles was that they would know that he is actually God in the flesh, that the Father and Jesus were one, that God was standing in front of them, healing people, doing things no one could do. Validating. That he was the Messiah. But they didn't care about that. They cared about getting healed. That's what was going on. The miracles were not mainly to alleviate temporary suffering in this life, but to give us eternal life. That's, that's why he performed those. But again, like most of us, how many of us want our earthly kingdom fixed? Anyone here want your earthly kingdom fixed? I do. Even at the cost of hearing what God is really saying, even at, even at the cost of hearing what God is really saying, that's the danger. Listen, verse 46. And so he came again to Canaan and Galilee where he had made the water into wine. And at Capernaum, there was an official whose son was ill, right? Verse 47, this man heard that Jesus had come from Judea to Galilee, and he went to him and asked him to come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. Now, Jesus is in Cana, Cana of Galilee, and that's about 15 miles away from Capernaum, okay? Just just put that in your mind. 15 miles, you're walking, okay? And so an official who's most likely working for Herod. He has a son who's almost going to die. He hears that this miracle worker is in town over in Cana, and he just drops everything, his official business, and he makes a, a straight line for Jesus. The man was desperate. Any of us parents would do the same thing, don't you think? Now, how does Jesus respond to this man who is begging him to heal his son. How does Jesus respond? How do you want Jesus to, he- to respond to you? Your wish is my command. It's all good. Whatever you want goes. But notice what Jesus says in verse 48. Jesus says to him, unless you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. How does that roll with you? Listen. This man was grieving. He's hurt. His son is dying. He's traveled a great distance, and he's pouring out his heart before God. He's saying, listen, save my son. And Jesus looks at him, and he says, unless you have signs and wonders, you will not believe. Does it sound like Jesus is thrilled with the man? No, it doesn't reminds me of Jesus speaking to his disciples constantly. Oh, you of little faith. And this is the hard part because we always think that Jesus' compassion is, you know, it's always just about healing and touching people. Is that his top priority? Think about this. He is. Obviously, he's more compassionate than the whole world combined. We don't want to question that whatsoever. But what's driving Jesus here? What's truly driving Jesus here? And what is driving the man? Those are important questions to ask. Jesus came for one reason and the man came for another. Do you see it? Jesus knows the reason this man is coming is not for salvation. The man is not coming because he knows he has a spiritual need the man is not coming because he knows he is poor in spirit the man is not coming because he is awakened to his own darkness and his own depravity and all those things he is not coming to Jesus for those reasons is he coming to Jesus for a good reason as good as I can find right any of us to not come would be a messed up story but Jesus came for another reason. This man came for physical healing. For someone else, right? That is why he's coming to Jesus. It was for a miracle. He wanted a miracle. He wasn't there for spiritual truth. He was there for he wasn't there for eternal life. He was there with overwhelming physical and emotional needs. How many of you have overwhelming and physical emotional needs, and you say, Jesus, heal me. And he says something else, or doesn't say something. And therefore, because he didn't do what we said, then. And then it goes from there. Because Jesus is on one mission, and you're on another. And it's important that we know who the Jesus of the Bible is. Now, I might be painting him as, you know, like. He's just going to let you all hurt. That's that's not what happens, right? I want to make sure you know that. But this is important because he's rejecting the guy at first. And you need to know why. We need to know why. And we have to see this because we can get extremely frustrated with God if we don't understand his highest priority. How many of you have come here this morning with a need and a want and you want God to meet it? What if he comes to you and says, unless I show you signs and wonders, you will not believe. You know, we might flat out reject him because he didn't work a wonder in our lives or the lives of others around us. And Jesus says to him, Unless you see signs and wonders, you're not going to believe. And it's important to know here, it's hard to catch in the English, unless you have the NEASB. the word you is plural. Jesus is saying, he's not just talking to that guy, he's saying, y'all. Okay, so he's saying, unless y'all have signs and wonders, you will not believe. And again, here's Jesus from eternity coming down, bearing with us. (laughs) long-suffering less. We just don't get it. And he's waking us up to the light. And he's saying, okay, you want signs and wonders? It's not about the signs and wonders. The signs and wonders are pointing to me. They're pointing to who I am. They're pointing to the reality of the kingdom of God. That you need a savior. Jesus is saying, unless you have signs and wonders, you won't believe. So what is Jesus' main objective? Is it Healing? Is it healing, church? No. What is it? Say it loud. Salvation. What's the word we have there, though? Unless you what? Have signs and wonders, you will not what? Believe. Believe. What is the important, what is the objective of Jesus coming to the earth that we would what? Believe. Believe. His objective is faith. What's your objective? Boy. Boy. And this is why when Jesus didn't do what they wanted, what did they do with him? It's that they believe. Believe what? That he is the son of God. That he is God in the flesh. That he is the savior of the world, just as the Samaritans just said. Right? In his desperation, the official, back in our story, he had no... Uh, He ignores Jesus. Jesus says, unless you have signs and wonders, you're not going to believe And He goes, yeah, whatever, Jesus. Please heal my son. Right? The official said to him, sir, verse 49, come down before my child dies. There's a desperation in him. And the Lord was compassionate in the man's weakness. I love that. The Lord is compassionate. Just like he was with the woman at the well. He says, if you knew who it was that stands before you, you would ask me for a drink and I would give it to you. She didn't know that she was thirsty. He had to lead her to that. Same thing. He speaks to this man and says, unless you have signs and wonders, you won't believe. You need to believe without signs and wonders. But he'll beat him where he's at. He gives him a sign. And look what happens. Jesus uses this opportunity to move the man from the physical to the spiritual. Verse 50, 50, Jesus said to him, go, your son will live. The man asks for Jesus to come with him. and And does Jesus come with him? No, he doesn't. He says, go, your son will live. Interesting. Why isn't Jesus going with him? These are questions I ask, and you guys are supposed to have the answers. (laughs) Yes, exactly. And so check out the rest of the verse. Jesus said to him, go, your son will live. And the man, what? Believed. Believed. He believed what? What? the word that jesus spoke to him and he went on his way wow isn't that awesome jesus believes him he he moves this man from believing in miracles so to speak into what he actually says what did the samaritans in verse 41 believe they believed in the word that he had spoken to them do you see that And this is what the Lord desires to produce in us. Not faith in miracles, but faith in what God says. That is the best definition of faith I've found. It's just taking God at his word. Taking God at his word. Believing what he says, regardless of circumstances. And that was the issue with Israel they wanted signs they would not accept his word they wanted experience they did not want spiritual truth and again the irony is that the Gentiles like the Samaritans right they got it remember the story of the lepers the 10 lepers in Luke 17 you remember that Jesus is going to Jerusalem or out of Jerusalem can't remember basically 10 lepers were there and they were crying out from afar. They were crying out in John, uh, in verse 14 of Luke 17. It says, when he saw that they were crying out, you know, heal us, uh, have mercy, have pity on us. And when, it says that when he saw them, he said, go, show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed. Pretty cool. He had mercy on them, verse 15. And one of them, when he saw he was healed, he came back, praising God in a loud voice. And he threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. Uh Uh-oh. And Jesus asked, we're not ten cleansed? We're not all the, where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to who? To God? Except this foreigner? The guy who's not supposed to get it is the one who comes? Amen? And then verse 19, check it out. Then he said to him, rise and go. Your faith has made you what? well. The other guys were healed, but he was made what? Whole. The Gentiles got it, the Jews longed for the sign. Then the others, you know, the others were healed. Yes, the Samaritan had faith, but it was the Samaritan who was made whole, right? Christ longs to give us true healing, true forgiveness. True cleansing. Matthew 8, verse 5 through 13 tells a similar account with the Roman centurion. Remember this? Where it says, When he had entered Capernaum, a centurion came forward and appealed to him, Lord, my servant is lying paralyzed at home, suffering terribly. And he said to him, I will come and heal him. But the centurion replied, Lord, I am not worthy to have you come under my roof. Jesus just said, I'll come to your house, centurion. Gentile. The centurion turns around and goes, what? I'm not worthy to have you come under my roof, but only say the word. And my servant will be healed. For I too am a man under authority with soldiers under me. And I say to one, go. And he goes. And to another, come. And he comes. And to my servant, do this. And he does it. Verse 10. When Jesus heard this, he what? Marveled. He was amazed and said to those who followed him, Truly, I tell you, with no one in Israel have I found such faith. I tell you, many will come from the east and from the west and recline at table with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven, Gentiles. Verse 12, while the sons of the kingdom will be thrown into what? outer darkness the guys who were supposed to get it didn't the ones who didn't got it in that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth into the centurion jesus said go let it be done for as you have believed and the servant was healed at that very moment jesus spoke it and it happened at that moment jesus focus is that we would believe right Israel wanted signs and wonders most did not believe and were thrown into outer darkness even those who were healed physically but were unwilling to be made whole I find it interesting that Jesus back in our passage today he didn't go to the official's house but rather simply said go your son will live I love that contrast I love that contrast the centurion Matthew 8 who trusted in Jesus's word Jesus said I'll go with you the Serturian said, I don't need you to go with me. I trust what you say. The guy said, you got to come with me. Jesus said, I'm not going until you trust what I say. Isn't that interesting how that works? There's this, I don't know. I thought that was cool. Things I like. But with this official, who did not trust Jesus' word at first. Jesus was not willing to go. Why? So that he would trust in what Jesus said. And verse 50 says, The man believed the word that Jesus had spoke to him and went on his way. He took Jesus' word without any proof of miracles. Pretty cool, huh? Verse 51, And as he was going down, his servant met him and told him that his son was recovering. And so he asked them the hour when he began to get better. And they said to him, Yesterday at the seventh hour, that's like early afternoon, one to three, the fever left him. Verse 53, And the father knew that it was that hour when Jesus had said to him, Your son will live. Again, it's a, it's a, it's a journey. It's 50, it was probably nighttime. He probably stayed overnight, walked. It was the next day, around 1 in the afternoon, he finally made it, you know, and, and he finally heard what was going on with his son. And he goes back and goes, That's when Jesus told me that. It was at that time when Jesus said that. Wow. And it says there, And he himself believed, and all his household. This was now the second sign that Jesus did when he had come from Judea to Galilee. The first sign being obviously uh, Jesus turning the water into wine. And John is using, there's eight signs in all. We'll get to them as we go through John. But it's not as if there, there aren't many multiple miracles. He's just identifying certain ones that point out that he is the Messiah. But the priority of Jesus is that we believe. That we believe in his name. Meaning that we believe that he is who he says he is. He's the son of God. He's the Christ. He is the Messiah. He's the forgiver. He's the savior of the world. And this is why he came. To bring light into the darkness. Not to make the darkness patched up. But to totally, absolutely give the darkness his light. To give us new birth that will be born again into his kingdom a kingdom that is not fading away but the outward man is perishing but the inward man is what being renewed what day by day a kingdom that will never end the kingdom of christ in the hearts of those who believe and one day at his shout those who have that life within them will have a body a new body that matches that new spirit and so forever we'll be with him. God desires that we obediently take him at his word. You know, there's a lot of emphasis in in the in the church at large um, based upon experience. And I love playing guitar. I love electric guitar. You know, like I like making some noise for the Lord and all that stuff. But And some might frown on that. You know, I understand. You know, it's loud and Jesus doesn't like loud music. You just, you don't know. and uh, I don't either I understand being connected to culture and all that kind of stuff um, but there is an emphasis on experience in the church that unless you have some kind of crazy experience with Jesus you're missing out unless you have a supernatural encounter unless he heals you unless all these things happen then all of a sudden you've missed the boat You've, you've missed God when you read over these miracles and scriptures, you kind of ask, Lord, hey, why, why aren't you doing this to me? And why, why haven't you healed me? I don't mean, I think anybody has read those. Has said, why, why isn't that going on? And then I'm suspicious of those things that actually do happen because I'm not sure if they're really happening or they're drummed up. You know what I mean? Okay, just me. I want God, and by the way, the Lord is the Lord. He can do whatever He wants, whenever He wants, however He wants. He is Lord. Amen. And if he wants to heal and he wants to do whatever he wants to do, Lord Jesus, do what you want to do. Get me out of the way. Amen. So that's my position, my theology, theological position on, on those things. But what is it that he desires? He desires that we believe. That we would know him. To know him is to have eternal life. Above all, and are reminded of Jesus' encounter with Thomas after Jesus was resurrected. This is at the end of John's Gospel. We'll get there, you know, sometime within the next couple years. John chapter 20, verses 24 through 29. Let me read it for you. It says, Now Thomas, one of the twelve disciples, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So Jesus was resurrected Jesus appeared to the disciples. Thomas was not there. And so the other disciples told him, hey, we've seen the Lord after the resurrection. But he said to them, listen to this. Unless I see in his hands the marks of the nails and place my finger into the marks of the nails and place my hands into the side, I will what? I will never believe. <clears throat> Is he a little emphatic there? I will Never believe. I've got to see to believe. Show me the miracle. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. And then he said to Thomas, You ever been that guy in the room? <laughs> oh, you're, yeah, Thomas like, Oh, No. <laughs> He said, hey, Thomas, verse 27, put your finger here and see my hands. Put out your hand and place it in my side. Oh, how much he loved Thomas. You know, how many of us, the Lord's just kind of had to do that with us. He meets us even in our weakness where we got to see something. He meets us. I love that about the Lord. But he said to him, Do that. Touch me. See my hands. See my side. Put your fingers in it. I know it's disgusting, but saying, you really need to experience this, I guess. He says, do not disbelieve, but believe. You see it? Do not disbelieve, Thomas, but believe. I want you to believe. Verse 28, Thomas answered him, my Lord and my what? My God. He realized he was standing before his Lord and his God. Power over death. And then Jesus says to him, Have you believed because you've seen me? Blessed are those who have what? Not seen and yet have believed. May the Spirit of God cause us to be those kinds of believers. the ones who although we haven't seen him we believe him and we love him although he hasn't healed we persevere although he hasn't answered all the things we want we still trust him i just want to close by reading 1 peter chapter 1 verses 3 through 9 which is so fitting It says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in last time. Pretty good for a fisherman. Verse 6. And in this, you greatly rejoice. In this salvation, in the fact that God has called you, you're born again, he's he's holding you in his hand, and the salvation is immovable. In this, you greatly rejoice, because everything else is moving. Though for now, for a little while, if necessary, you have been what? Grieved. By various trials. Why? Why? Why would God not answer it? Why would God allow hardship? Why would God allow these things into my life? Verse 7, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold, that perishes though it is tested by fire, your faith would be be result in what? Found to result in the praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. That you trust him, even though it's all falling apart. Even though he doesn't answer the way that you want him to, because you take him at his, what? His word, what he said. Verse 8. And though you have not, what? Though you have not seen him, you, what? You love him. And though you do not see him now, you, what? You believe in Him. And how does that belief expressed? And you rejoice with a joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Church, the Lord is so good and so patient with us. I've been suffering for years. And I'm so thankful that He in his wisdom, he hasn't answered things. That I would learn to trust what he says above how I feel, and he's still working on that. But that my hope would not be in this kingdom. My hope would not be in this body. My hope would not be in these things, but in him, in what he says. And I just ask him to the Lord, Um, would graciously help us trust more and more in what he says this week. Amen? And that we wouldn't claim stuff to claim stuff. But we would read what he's saying. Say, Lord, I'm that guy. I want this, I want that, I want you to do this, but Lord, I trust you. Father, we just thank you very much for your precious word in this passage of scripture. We ask that your spirit would now um, solidify the things that are of you in the hearts of your people bless them and keep them and cause your face to shine upon them, Lord, this week. And may the world see you alive in them by their love for one another and the joy they have in you even in the midst of their suffering.